Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. You're listening to the Business of Craft Beer podcast, recorded live from the University of Vermont's Continuing and Distance Education Department with your host, Greg Dunkley. Whether you're looking to break into the craft beer industry or start your own brewery, this podcast is for you. Each week, we will discuss all aspects of the craft beer industry from sales, operations, marketing, trends, and analysis with industry experts and thought leaders. If you'd like to be part of the show, please call 929 477 one seven five seven. And now here's your host, Greg Dunkel. Well, hello. <clears throat> this is Greg Dunkling here, and um, we'll be your host for uh, today's Business of Craft Beer podcast. Uh, today we have a guest I look forward to having on our show for some time, uh, Steve Young, founder of Cynic, the first ever crowdsourced countertop beer dispenser. Cynic offers us access to fresh craft beer dispensed right from our home countertops. With the growth of tap rooms across the country and growler fill stations uh, providing access to fresh beer, we've been interested in how technology might help to advance the sale of more quality beer, either directly from the brewery to consumer or through retailers who sell growlers. Consumers uh, purchase, of course, beer in bottles, cans, and growlers uh, with some variation on the size of these containers um, or draft. Yet to date, the the knock on growlers is shelf life, typically two days at most after opening a a container. Just as Kerrig uh, revolutionized how coffee was sold for consumption at home or in the office, we've been interested in exploring comparable technologies that can bring local fresh beer into the home. Uh, Can such a packaging option be one of the next big things in the craft beer world? Of course, uh, another consideration is the issue of beer pricing, as we've seen more and more craft beer sold at $14 per four-pack or six-pack. Can purchasing beer in larger volume help both the consumer with lower price per unit and help local breweries sell more beer direct to consumers? So I'd like to welcome today's guest, Steve Young, founder of Cynic. Uh, thanks for taking time to join us today, Steve. Yeah, how's it going? Great. Um, so uh, as mentioned in the intro, um, you offer a countertop dispenser for beer that makes it easy to provide taproom quality beer from the convenience of one's home. Uh, can you tell us about Cynic and how you got started? Sure. Yeah, so... Uh, kind of an interesting introduction into the industry. Um, my old job, I was actually a stock analyst, and I was fascinated with the industry mainly because of its growth and because of the fact it was comprised of small businesses. And so I just started calling breweries across the East Coast, West Coast, and small businesses. All right, hey, what do you what do you struggle with? Like, what's your main pain point? And um, surprisingly, the the feedback was pretty unanimous, which was essentially, we make great beer, but we can't get into people's homes. And 
One of the big problems with that was the distribution network. Um, obviously, it's getting more and more saturated. Distributors have a lot of power. Um, luckily, the laws are loosening, especially in, in Vermont, uh, where you're located. But um, the, the real core of the problem, though, is packaging. Um, if you can't ship um, you know, beer directly, and if you can't have that same quality that you get from the, the tap room, um, then you really can't solve the distribution issue. So um, basically, my, my brother and I, my brother works for Elon Musk and SpaceX now, but um, we invented this, um, I guess, flexible packaging that you can fill from any faucet. And because it's filled airtight, you didn't need special equipment and therefore got a keg like shelf life. And so, you know, I, I asked the breweries, I said, hey, if, if we made this thing, you know, what do you think of it? They said, yeah, that would change everything, but it's impossible. So we did a Kickstarter. Um, we, we called it Cynic after all the, the people that doubted us at the beginning. <laughs> so it's kind of a play on words off of Cynical. Um, and we sold, we pre-sold about $750,000 before we launched, but that was really the aha moment that people really want any beer ever made at the highest quality on their kitchen countertops. Um, and so that was about, uh, we, we launched about a year, about 16 months ago. So what do you attribute the, the overwhelming support you had from the crowdsourcing campaign? So the overwhelm did you say the overwhelming support from from fans or for users? Well, as I as I understand it, you you guys had had a tremendous uh, financial support through the Kickstarter campaign. Can you talk a little bit about what your initial expectations were and what your uh, results were uh, at the conclusion of that campaign? Sure. So when we first launched the Kickstarter campaign. Um, we actually launched it as a homebrew um, dispenser, so a way that you can brew your own beer, put it in mm -hmm. these special flex kegs, um, and then you can easily trade it with buddies and, um, you know, get your, your own beer on your countertop. And um, the reason we did it that way is we didn't want to launch right into craft beer because we would have had to answer the chicken and the egg problem. Um, we, we would have had to get breweries on board in order for customers to be on board, um, and we would have to show the breweries that they're a customer market in order for them to support it. So, uh, but when we launched the Kickstarter campaign, we actually only sold about $30,000 in the first week. And based on the metrics, we had a 0.07% chance of hitting our goal by the remaining 21 days. And so we, we pivoted and said, all right, you can get your favorite craft beer in here. And we solved the chicken and the egg dilemma by saying, if your favorite brewer isn't on board by the time we launch, we'll give you your money back. Um, uh -huh. and so that was really that, that gave the trust and security that you know we were going to do everything we could over the the year till we launched um, to get all these breweries up and running. Surprisingly, um, when when the Kickstarter was over, we basically we put together a little pitch deck, you know, a little three page um, pitch deck, and we gave it to all of our backers, and we told them we said, hey, give this to your favorite brewery, pitch them on Cynic and what we're about. And by doing that, within about three weeks, we had 1,200 breweries um, jump on board with, with what we were doing. Um, and so that was kind of an overwhelming. Not only were they financially supportive to us to get the vision off the ground, um, but they, they were willing to put in their own physical efforts to, to, to kind of open up the cause. Uh, so are, they, are those folks, are they the cynic pioneers that, that you reference? 
Yes, those are the pioneers. Um, okay. We still have about 1,500 pioneers to this day that are pretty active. Okay. So you use local uh, people in their local communities who know their their craft beer scene, and you use them to go out and, and talk to uh, the breweries to get them on board. Exactly, yep. Yeah, that's brilliant. Um, so Yeah, and we even in, use in them ter- too. As you mentioned, um, you know, one of the things, uh, if you're a, a backer or a follower of Senec, you'll know, um, we have these flex kegs that um, – you know, they can fill airtight from any faucet. But the, the feedback we got from customers was people also really wanted to fill growlers. And so that's where the pioneers kind of came um, uh, in, in a kind of a crucial moment was they said, hey, if you can introduce an adapter that would fit on any growler and would allow a growler to work with your dispenser, it would also change the way, um, you know, we engaged our beer and got our favorite beer. And so the pioneers were the ones that actually – thought of this little fitment that would allow growlers to be used. So now you can use these flex kegs or, you know, a standard 64-ounce growler, and instead of getting two-day shelf life on a growler, we're seeing 30 to 45 days. Um, so that it's really cool that the pioneers were the ones that are coming with more solutions um, with how they engage the product. So as I understand it, initially you started out with a, is it a 128-ounce bag uh, that fits inside your your dispenser? And and then, as you described, uh, because of the availability of growlers, you you also adapted it so you can use a 68, uh, a 64-ounce growler instead of the bag. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. So I would say out of right now, we have a a little over 7,000 locations filling. Um, And out of those locations, I think about 1,000 of them are actively filling the flex kegs. And and so one of the challenges we had, again, was a chicken and the egg problem where um, some breweries absolutely love the flex kegs. It's a gallon sale. It keeps their beer fresh the way they want it to. Um, You know, they can put their own kind of brand on the, the flex keg itself. Um, but a lot of brewers, um, you know, they either didn't see the demand on the consumer side or they just didn't like filling the flex gag. I mean, it, it is a kind of a five-minute training process, but when you're, you know, really, really busy, people like to stick with what they know, and that's why we introduced the growler adapter. Okay. Yeah. We, okay. we did not invent the growler. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, the other question uh, just has to do with the pricing. Uh, how many of your... Did you have to work with the fill stations or tap rooms to figure out the pricing for a 128-ounce bag versus uh, what they're familiar with, which is the growler? Yeah, that was actually one of the biggest reasons for the change um, to add the growler adapter um, and actually something that we we learned from with beer and applied to a, a new wine dispenser we're going to come out with in a couple months. But um, the the price point was kind of a shock for a lot of people. Um, you know, a, a $15 growler fill is now a $30 cynic fill. Um, some breweries would try to alleviate the stress of the, the shock and say, okay, we'll give you 10% off or something. Um, but in general, we did not tell the breweries what price to charge, what beers to fill. It was purely yep. under their own discretion. Um, yep. And, you know, Again, going back to whenever you're paying for a half a gallon at 13 bucks, that's way different than you know 20, 26 bucks. Yeah, yeah, right. 
Okay, uh, let's talk a little bit about the technology uh, behind Cynic. Um, you know, one of the, the things that attracted me right out of the gate was um, your product sits on the countertop, and so I didn't have to sort of go create uh, in, the, in the family refrigerator to take over part of my, my, my uh, beer supply. Um, my wife likes that concept. <laughs> And uh, and I understand that you have that you're even though I haven't haven't purchased one yet. Um, you have, there are two uh, main components: a cartridge and a dispenser. Uh, can you tell us how, about the design of this product? Sure. Well, there there are two key factors that, um, based on other technologies that were already out on the market, we knew to stay away from. Um, so one was. We, the, the whole core of Cynic is brands. Um, again, we wanted to give people access to any beer ever made on their kitchen countertop. And so um, other products you've seen on the market, like Heineken, Miller Lite had a product, um, Anheuser-Busch had a product, but you could only get their beer, and yeah. the assortment was extremely limited. In Heineken's case, it was two different beers. Um, so step one in the design was opening it up to every beer. Um, the second one was we had to free up space in the refrigerator. So, yes, countertop space is very um, – it's a rich real estate. Um, you know, you, you only have a limited space, especially in folks in, in big cities like Chicago and New York and L.A. Um, but with that being said, the, the refrigerator is even more valuable. And so we knew we had to keep the design of it very slim. Um, a lot of people said, well, you know, why didn't you introduce a five-gallon container or it's because, you know, that's getting you closer to a kegerator, and we wanted to clearly stay away from that. So the, the ideal volume was a gallon from what we heard, and the design, we wanted to keep it as slim as possible. So we went with a really tiny paintball tank so that, you know, it wasn't taking up a, a ton of space like a, a five-gallon um, like five tank or something. Okay. <clears throat> Um, so I think you you uh, addressed the uh, CO two piece of it, but where do where do consumers typically purchase uh, those tanks for for refills? Sure. So one of the, the cool aspects of what we've been able to do with our brand. So we we launched again like 16 months ago. Um, we every single one of our sales has been online, and we've spent zero dollars on on digital marketing. So all of our sales, and, and, you know, we're now approaching, you know, 2 million plus just in the last 12 months, um, all of our sales have just been online and word of mouth, people excited and telling their friends about it. Um, the, the CO2, um, we could have done a, a, a business model like SodaStream where, you know, you have to pay us for really expensive CO2 refills, and we make a lot of money off of that. We, we didn't want to do that. We didn't want to make the money off the bags. Um, we didn't want to make the money off the CO2. We wanted it to be as easy to use as possible um, so we could get as many people on our platform. And so you can get a, the CO2 tank filled at any outdoor supply shop, any homebrew shop. Um, uh, paintball shops will fill it. And um, there was a little bit of a misconception before, but almost all the CO2 on the market is food-grade CO2. Um, there's very little difference between... Um, you know, quote, certified food grade and, and not certified food grade. All it really depends is how the tanks are cleaned when they're made. Um, and all the tanks uh, are cleaned of all the oil and everything. So we had some people concerned of, hey, if I go to my paintball shop, is this going to be food grade? Um, we have certification that most of it is. Okay. Um, 
so I understand that there there is a pressure valve that um, people can manage sort of the foam and carbonation. Uh, how how are those adjustments made, and and is that you know different beer styles sort of uh, require some adjustment in terms of the carbonation? Yeah, you know one of our biggest one of my biggest regrets I would say is um, allowing the 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 CO2 to be regulated. Um, if I were to do it over, I would have just put it at a uh, kind of a flat um, 12 psi uh, and allowed the flow control on the faucet to dictate the flow rate and the you know the amount of foam that came out. One of the things we saw was um, it confused a lot of people on um, you know what pressure to to put the beer at. Um, but yes, the the regulator that's currently in our dispensers um, it is a variable regulator, so you can turn it anywhere from, you know, 2 PSI all the way up to 14, 15 PSI. Um, and it, you know, it typically people know if the beer tastes flat and they'll go back and they'll just kind of turn the knob up a little bit to add a little bit more CO2. Um, but, you know, wheat beers have a higher PSI integrated and, you know, you'll get some other beers that you, you got to keep a little bit lower, a little foam all over the place. Yeah, okay. that, that's one of the things we're working for in, in the Generation 2 beer dispenser that we're, we're currently designing um, is uh, the, the next beer dispenser, which will come out in a couple of years, so uh, no, no reason to wait for it. <laughs> it's not coming out next month or anything. Um, but it'll actually recognize what beer is inside and automatically change the pressure um, for that hmm. beer. So that's, that's one of the things, you know, when we talk about customer experience and, you know, when we have people support us now – they're supporting us for R&D for future models. Um, so the, the line of Cynic dispensers are going to keep getting more efficient, cheaper, um, more engaging for the customer, and, and also automated. Um, you know, people don't want to play around with knobs and dials. They just want a perfect pour every single time. <clears throat> it, you uh, referenced this earlier, uh, the, the wine dispenser, <clears throat> but are you – are you seeing a, a similar demand in uh, for wine, cider, other products like like beer? Um, I would say even more of a demand um, on alternative products, and and alternative products. I mean, they've ranged from you know wine, coffee, liquor. We got a lot of interest for sake um, in the uh, Southeast Asian market, but. Um, I guess the big difference between beer and wine, if we're just going to juxtapose those two, uh, the, the biggest difference is the price point. So when you when you look at beer, uh, a beer is you know three to seven dollars on average. Um, so if you order a beer and you don't like it, it's you know it's kind of not a big deal. Ah, I didn't like it. I'll just drink it and order another one. If you're ordering a bottle of wine, which the average price point is twenty plus dollars. It's a lot of money down the drain if you don't get one that you like. And so mm -hmm. with every subsequent dispenser we come out with, every single one of them, the second beer one, this next wine model we're coming out with, will be data enabled. And it'll tell you exactly why you like that certain brand. Um, and, and so the, the key is, is taking out the confusion of drinking so, mm -hmm. you know, people that are new to craft beer might say, ooh, I don't, I like this IPA. Well, a rye IPA is completely different from, a, you know, uh, just a, a normal 
um, you know, Stone IPA. But um, so one of the things we're doing is just adding more data, taking out the complexity, and allowing people to engage in their beverage a lot easier. Um, you know, right now it's very manual. You got to take a picture of the label. You got to, you know, research it and code it. Um, so that's really, I think, this wine model, based on the feedback we've gotten from wineries and, and customers, I think it's going to make big ripples within the industry. Uh huh. Um, you know, it's it's uh, although our focus is is craft beer. Um, would people for your winery uh, dispenser, they would have to go to a winery to to purchase it? I don't, uh, you know, some sort of something comparable to a growler, or how does how will that work? Yeah, so luckily uh, the wine industry saw a surge about 15, 20 years ago, and okay. um, as a result, the laws melted. Um, so they, the lawmakers saw it was good for small business, taxes, and agriculture. And the laws completely got wiped off. And so we're actually going to ship wine direct to your door um, okay. and, and a special container that we're calling silos. Um, the cool part about silos is they're intelligent. So they have a little microchip in them that interacts with your dispenser. Um, the other cool part about it is, similar to the beer dispenser, you can pour one glass of wine, take out that silo from the dispenser, and it's as if it was never used before. So mm. with wine, when you uncork a wine bottle and you got three days to drink it, it's very similar to a growler. Um, we're taking away that that sense of urgency of drinking it. You can drink at your own pace. Uh -huh. Yeah. But but not only will we ship direct to door, we can automated ship direct to door either you know once a month on your drinking habits or for people that really love specific wines that they've tried. We can ship the, the dispenser will automatically ship wine to your door when it's low. Hmm. So if it knows that you're drinking at a certain pace and you got three glasses left, you know it'll it'll have a silo arrive at your door two three days later so that you're never out of stock on that specific wine. Well, that's pretty cool. So um, back to beer for a moment. Uh, earlier, um, you know, I had indicated that one of our interests is to, is to find technology and ways to uh, promote the sale of more beer. Um, we're always mm -hmm. interested in sort of, you know, beer trends and the continued growth of the craft sector. And and uh, what are you hearing back from producers? Uh, you have quite a national network out there. Um, what are they telling you about uh, your product and how it's uh, sort of advancing the cause of selling more beer? Yeah, I mean, the, the, the brewers are 100% on board with our vision, um, you know, where it's going, what we're trying to do. Um, we, we stumbled a little bit out of the gate um, after the launch. With any new product, you're going to have uh, minor tweaks and issues. But um, now that we got all those fixed, brewers are, are jumping back on board um, right and left. And there's, there's other really cool things we're going to be doing with beer um, predicated around the distribution aspect. So, uh, believe it or not, it's actually legal to ship direct to door in a lot of states. Um, no one's doing it right now. Um, so we're going to do those things. Now that we opened up access, every single goal going forward for Cynic is to increase your proximity to beer. So making sure it's at grocery stores, it's shelf stable, it's shipped to your door, whatever we can do so that getting the best beer possible is as easy as it can be. Uh -huh. <clears throat> So do you um, 
you know, are you seeing any uh, particular trends? In, you know, we've we've read a lot about tap rooms and how those have become um, almost a necessity these days for anyone launching a brewery is to is to you know plan on a tap room where you can sell directly to consumers. Uh, obviously, there's an economics uh, involved in that and not paying for distribution, but there's also feedback from the consumer on your products, which is quite valuable. Um, and as tap rooms uh, make available beer to go, um, are you seeing, you know, your product uh, even at the 64 ounce uh, container level? Is is that is that something you see just growing over time? Yeah, I think the the current beer model will be a nice, slow, self-sustained growth to the second beer model that will come out within a couple of years. Uh, I can't talk too much about it for competitive reasons, but the the second beer model will, I, I believe, absolutely change the distribution uh, in the beer industry. Um, and so th- this current beer model is getting people used to the idea that, wow, I can drink amazing beer on my countertop. I don't have to buy a, a messy, giant kegerator. I don't have to subject myself to flat, skunked, um, growler beer. Um, and you know, at 2.99 to 3.99 price point, like you can't really go wrong um, with an appliance that affordable. You know, we're not asking people to spend a thousand dollars plus. Um, yeah. to, to answer your question, I, I'm seeing two major trends, and and I'm going to put on you know my old job. Like I said, I was a stock analyst. I'm, I'm putting on my stock analyst hat right now. Um, the, the two major trends are, are these. You, you mentioned one at the beginning of the the conversation. Actually, is that you're seeing more and more decommoditization of beer. So beer and wine are actually, when investors talk to me, they're like, beer and wine are completely different. Beer and wine actually are becoming very, very similar. Um, You're seeing higher end price points on beer. You're seeing bombers that are, you know, $25 plus. You're seeing people waiting outside breweries just to pay $100 for a 12 pack of a new release beer. Um, Those are things that wine has done over the year. And um, so instead of just every beer costing four bucks when you go to a bar, you're starting to see these really high-end beers emerge at higher qualities. So that's that's really, really cool. And opposite on the wine side, you're starting to see, you know, very bold wine labels that say cuss words on them. Um, you know, that's, that's, you know, arrogant bastard type of labels. That's stuff that you're used to seeing in beer. So wine and beer are becoming very, very similar. So that's that's one. The second one, and, and we've all seen it, um, is the uh, delegislation uh, on the confines of the beer industry. I think that is the single most important thing to happen um, for the beer industry because w- when you think about it, ten years ago, growlers were illegal in most states. Mm-hmm. Like we can't we can't really fathom that now. But in 2005, 2006, growlers were like illegal. And, you know, even in Vermont, I think you, you all just opened up, um, uh, you know, a couple uh, growler laws that were, were very, very goofy in terms of when you can fill, what size you can fill. Um, but there is a massive melting happening, and I'm, my bet is in the next three to five years, uh, beer will be exactly where wine is, where you can ship beer wherever you want to whomever you want. And the advantage of that is, again, going back to wine, the advantage is it's good for small business, it's good for agriculture, because most of the uh, ingredients in beer are locally sourced, uh, and it's good for small business. 
And so yeah. as lawmakers look into that, why wouldn't you want to support those three things in your state? Um, and at the same time, on the small business aspect, you're given a, a, a small brewery. You know, if I open up a brewery, you're giving me nationwide distribution from the start. And, and why wouldn't you want that? Um, you right. know, why wouldn't you want your small yeah. local brewery to, in Vermont to be able to sell to someone in Texas? Um, so really it's about getting the best beer in the, in the most hands as possible. Yeah. Uh, great. Um, I wanted to, I wanted to ask you about, uh, saw some of your videos, uh, and, uh, you have a, uh, a bananas branding, uh, uh, for your product. Can you talk a little bit about how that came about? Yeah, it's, it's, kind of a fun fun story, a little bit scary for me, but um, so when I started the company, I've self-funded pretty much everything um, leading up and through the Kickstarter campaign. Um, you know, developing hard goods, technology isn't cheap. And so when we were filming the Kickstarter, um, I actually spent my last penny um, of what I allocated in my budget, but spent the last penny on um, everything I could. And so while we were filming, the, the, the um, videographers said, hey, why don't you put some, you know, sausages or bratwurst on the grill behind you? And I told him, I said, I don't have any money left. And there was a, a, a what do you call it, a bushel of bananas, whatever you call it, <laughs> a little pack of bananas, whatever that word is. But there were bananas on the table next to us, and they were like, well, why don't we just put bananas on there? No one will recognize it, and if they do, it'll be funny. And so <laughs> it, it ended up becoming this really funny brand that people thought was hilarious. Um, and so everything now in terms of, like, customer service, you email bananas at cynic.beer, you know. So we've incorporated bananas into our brand um, just as kind of a funny, lighthearted way of saying, you know, you know, hey, don't take yourselves too seriously type of deal. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> um, so – uh, again, you met, you indicated that uh, the product is sold online. Uh, can you give yep. uh, our listeners uh, some information about where they would find that link and where they would purchase? Yeah, you can go on www.cynic.beer, Um or you can just go online and search Keurig for beer, and it'll kind of take you to our website. Um, the, the other thing is we're going to start going into distribution this year. So... You'll see us on, on Amazon. Um, we'll be in traditional retail stores like a Bed Bath or a Target or Brookstone or, or whatnot. Um, so you're going to see more and more of our dispensers out on the market. Uh, but the best way to get it now and in the next couple months is direct from our website. Um, we're running a lot of different specials and deals, and so people can, um, you know, get it before the summer hits. So they're drinking beautiful beer outside when it's nice and warm. That's great. So uh, I want to thank you, uh, Steve Young, founder of Cynic, uh, for, for joining us today. We will have information on our website, uh, on our Facebook page, um, so that if you uh, didn't get that information, you can go to our website and uh, uh, see where you can purchase a Cynic uh, 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 container uh, for your countertop. Um, I wanted to close by just uh, reminding viewers that if you've dreamed about open opening your own brewery or looking for a career change into the craft beer industry, the sponsor of this program, the University of Vermont's Business of Craft Beer program, offers the necessary industry-specific knowledge to make that all possible. Uh, instructors are all craft beer experts from across the United States and Canada, 
And if you want to learn about the business side of the craft beer industry, uh, the University uh, of Vermont's program was designed uh, just for that. Uh, to learn details, visit us at uh, Facebook slash UVM Business of Craft Beer, or you can give us a call at 800-639-3210. And again, uh, I want to thank you, Steve, for taking time out to join us today and uh, go through the details of Cynic, and uh, I wish you the best. Absolutely. Thanks so much, and, and congrats on the podcast. I think this is really cool what you do. Um, I mean, it adds a whole other layer to the beer industry that not many people are touching on. So uh, thanks for doing this. Well, thanks again for your time. We appreciate it. Cheers. Okay, take care, everyone. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.